Welcome to College Football Roundtable, your source for college football coverage, including major storylines, playoffs, can't miss game previews, and picks each week. Join your hosts, Dan, Rob, and Jordan at the roundtable for a show unlike anything else. As for Football presents the College Football Roundtable. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Is Bama out? Clemson, Clemson again against Notre Dame. Both the Buckeyes and the Wolverines had a slow first half, but the Wolverines finished the game like they were supposed to. What's up, Trash Talkers? Welcome back to the College Football Roundtable, or if you prefer, Ring Knocker Radio. But today, you just got me and 9-0 Trigger Joe from the home of the big house. Dano Ikebesa is on the road doing dad duties, and so you just got us two today. But uh, how are things going, uh, Joe? What did you watch this weekend? Well, you know, of course, I watched my Wolverines late, and I worked I worked this Saturday, my 9-5, to five, so I, I didn't catch a ton of day football. Uh, Virginia Tech did dump a seven-game parlay for me. They were the only team to lose, and they lost in the last minute of the game to Georgia Tech. So thank you for that, Hokies. Um, and then, you know, Michigan finishing the game, finishing that second half against a Rutgers team that's played tough here, played soft there. Uh, it was confidence-inspiring because, they, you know, they spotted them seven, and it was good. I, you know, and I know it sounds like a bit of a homer to say, you know, I just watched. I did watch some of the Clemson-Notre Dame game. And I got to be honest, man, as much as I dislike those gold helmets, I, I still think they're pretty, pretty sexy when the team's actually playing well. And uh, boy, did they shine on Saturday night. And Clemson, unfortunately, Clemson. Yeah, that's pretty sad that, uh, you know, it is what it is, though. We've. I think we've gotten used to in the landscape of college football, watching Clemson do what they do, you know, even though like. Clemson's Clemson is not a thing, you know, or whatever. Uh, the reality of it is, is like some sometimes they show up for the game. I think you alluded to it last week that, hey, man, like Notre Dame is waking up and now they're waking up. Because if you look at that beating that they put on Syracuse and then to come back and beat a team that, you know, is talented, but not as talented as it was. I can tell you that Clemson is still missing Trevor with the good hair. They probably wish he would have stayed that extra year. And finished it up. But, uh, yeah, Clemson. Clemson is not looking as good as they used to. And I think, again, it goes back to what you said about the Rutgers game as well. It's consistency. Like the teams that are consistent week in and week out are the teams that win. For me, I didn't watch too much uh, football at all on Saturday. I was actually walking around Disney. So uh, went down there to the Wine and Dine Festival, ran the the Wine and Dine 10K, and then uh, went to Epcot. And if you haven't been to Epcot, and I still owe you guys a, a how to ball out on a budget down there in Disney uh, using all your military discounts. Oh, but yeah. uh, we went down there and did the uh, Cosmic Rewind. If you have not ridden the Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind ride, it is basically if Space Mountain and the Rock and Roller Coaster had an illegitimate kid and the chair's turn. <laughs> That's about as detailed as I could get without spoiling it. But pretty legit roller coaster actually moved up to one of my, you know, in the top three things that I would always go. So usually it's a test track space mountain and the tower of terror. I think test track just got bumped out and it is now the uh, cosmic rewind for guardians of the galaxy. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, there was group. Okay. Yeah. I'm in then. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. And then like, you know, in the pre-show you've got, uh, you got Glenn Close and Terry Crews talking a little bit of smack and uh, giving like the backstory of uh, the ride itself. So it's actually pretty fun. So if you are in Disney or hit the road, I think it's a good thing to go check and Glenn see Close, Terry Crews. That is a combo there. Yeah. Well, Terry Crews, you know, he was he was playing like this unique uh, character that they added in. And it was just like, OK, that's cool. Terry Crews is like a Swiss Army knife, man. That guy, that guy. I love his story. If you don't. If, for those of you listen, if you don't hear, if you've never heard his story, look him up. Because Terry Crews, uh, you talk about a guy working from the bottom up, man. He he's he's made a lot with a little. Yeah, he has. He really has. All right. Fish well, hey, let's let, let's move on to the top ten this week. And normally Dano covers it, but we got Trigger Joe in the house All giving right. us a rundown of the the top teams. We know where Georgia stayed after uh, making me lose a bet bet against them with uh, Tennessee. That was a solid performance. Uh, credit where credit is due. 
Ohio State stayed, stayed put at number two, even though they looked very human against a Northwestern team that, gosh, I want to pull the trigger on 38 points, but I did. Michigan is at number three. Um, you know, they, they started off, started off the first half, um, looked like they were going to phone this one in and really finish the second half like a Big Ten champion should. Um, TCU up number four, the Horned Frogs can't stop anyone, but, uh, they seem to score enough points to get the W at the end of the game. We'll see what happens this week. They got yeah. Texas, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. That's going to Texas is, Texas is humming, right? Um, Tennessee's down to number five. Um, after, after that loss to Georgia, maybe that's a little high, but, uh, who, who do you put above them? We got Oregon, um, at, at number six. LSU at seven and two, who is quietly roaring back at the end of the season. Um, but maybe some of that SEC bias is in there. I think they uh, maybe the Pac-12 has some reasons to be frustrated with all this. Uh, the number eight, we got USC, who is playing solid football, and their neighbors UCLA, who's also playing very, very well. Um, I can't wait to see those two play. Yeah, I think that's uh, going to be a good game. It's going to be a solid football game. I don't even know when that is on the schedule, but that's going to be a good one. And then we got Bama at number ten. Oh my goodness! I hope they stay there when the playoff committee meets, and we don't have to see Saban's face when it comes to the four teams that are in. I really do. So thank you, LSU, for possibly knocking Alabama out of the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. Like, like I, I was really thinking. I was like, man, I don't know. I, I honestly think really what it is is the game rides on the on the shoulders of, of Bryce Young, and he's hurt, man. And like, there's a lot of expectations on that young man, given you know. Heisman Trophy status, playing at Bama, all the other things that kind of go with playing for Bama, and then on top of everything else, you're hurt. You know. Yeah, and the kids, you know, but rounding out the top 25 by conference, we got five out of the SEC, four out of the ACC, four out of the Big Ten. Pac-12 has five. Um, Oregon State dropped out. Big 12 has three. The American has two, and I'm really interested to see Tulane this weekend um, and UCF. And the uh, one at Independence have two in Liberty at 19. And uh, who's number 20? Number 20 is uh, Notre Dame. Okay. All right. Independence. Yeah. yeah. Right. All right. Yeah. So, you know, and top 25 losses this week. You had Syracuse drop one. Oklahoma State. Wake Forest got caught again, which is bad. Tennessee went down. Bama went down, as we mentioned before. So here's the real question. Do you think Bama gets a, a, a New Year's Six Bowl? I mean, they're 7-2. and two, There's better teams. Mm. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, we, we know why they schedule bowl games the way that they schedule them, because it's all about the teams that travel and put butts in seats, right? Probably. Like I say they probably do if they went out. Yeah, I, I mean, but they got to run the – but they got to run the table, you know, in the next couple of weeks. They're not going to be in the SEC championship, so that's another week of not seeing Bama. And then uh, I seriously don't foresee them coming into the playoff. But uh, what what does your uh, your playoff top four look like right now, Joe? Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think Ohio State and Michigan have done everything to make their play to be in there, and we know Georgia is. So it's really down to who the fourth team in is, and. Uh, you know, I'm 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 not gonna punish TCU for not playing defense. I think right now it's a mystery as to who that fourth team is, but it's really hard to put anyone in there besides them. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the records, TCU is the team because again, I mean, those are the last four unbeaten's in college football. But Dan and I were talking about this, and we all, you know, we got into the discussion offline about, you know, are we to the point now where we're gonna see one or more? One loss teams in the playoff. I mean, I think we're getting to the point where that's that's just going to be the standard. You're only going to have like one team that looks like they're going to run the table, and then everybody else is going to have one loss and possibly two. And I think that's kind of in it's kind of uh, linked to the expansion. Like when you look at the expansion of the playoff, I think they were looking at it from a perspective of like, you know, we're in our eighth year of the fourteen playoff, if you can believe that, right? Start in 2014, like. My mind is blown when I really think about that and look at it, right? So I think they looked at it and projected when it was going to get to the point where you're going to have these one-loss teams coming into the playoff, and they said, okay, let's put a mark on the wall. So as we start getting parity and there's these one-loss teams coming into the 
into the playoff that we can make those adjustments to expand the playoff so people don't get, you know, butthurt about a one one loss team. Because even still in the first year, right, you bring in a one loss Ohio State, they win it. And then everybody's grumbling and pissy about Ohio State. But again, Ohio State is one of those teams. When you look at it from a money perspective, they have a huge alumni base. Their fans travel. So from a money-making perspective for, you know, the the teams that are hosting on the playoff committee, sometimes, you know, who can put the more, most butts in seats becomes the most important thing. Well, I would love to see. Up, you know, yeah. Ohio State shows up and, and they rarely choke. And I, as, a, as a Michigan fan, I respect Ohio State. And I, I, I'm not a fan. I, did, I, I have no respect for Michigan State because they talk all the shit that Ohio State does, excuse me, but they can't back it up. So Ohio State. You know, they, they earn their spots and they play well in bowl games. And I, I think that, uh, I think that honestly, if Michigan loses to them, they have the better shot of getting bumped. And if Ohio State loses, um, they got the better shot of getting in. Yeah. Like, uh, honestly, for me, the, the crazy matchup, like thinking about it on paper and just thinking about it on paper, if these guys survive and make it to the end of the season. Who doesn't want to watch an offensive performance between TCU and Ohio State in a playoff game? Like, do not leave your seat. Like, that game would be electric. That's licking his chops, hoping TCU stays at number four. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Thanksgiving with an electric uh, carver on that Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be exciting, though. When you think about it, like an Ohio State-TCU game in the playoff, that's lights out, man. People are going to watch that game because of the amount of scoring. Like people will be like, dude, man, these guys are scoring 30, 40, 50 points and it's halftime. You know, like they'll easily score 100 points in that game between those two offenses. Like yep. it's going to look more like a basketball score than a football contest if Ohio State and P- TCU play each other in the playoff. Don't think that's going to happen. I think the game's going to settle out uh, who's going to be the rep from the Big Ten. But then again, it's going to be like, who's the Pac-12 ref if, rep if there is one? And, you know, does anybody in the ACC, can anyone in the ACC turn it around enough? Because I think everybody has at least one loss in the ACC now. And so if Clemson doesn't, no, well, Clemson's out, you know, because they got two losses now. But yep. who comes in Who comes in from the ACC? You know, because all the teams that I, were pulling. I don't know, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't think there's anyone, and I hate to say this, but I don't think there's anyone in the ACC that has a chance to win a playoff game. Yeah. And, and I mean, like Notre Dame did when they were in the ACC and that's about it. You know, <laughs> Michigan and any other conference other than the SEC, they're the champs. And if you put Ohio State in any other conference other than the SEC, they're the champs. So yeah. I don't know everybody. I don't, yeah. And we've been saying that for years. The man. Big All, championship is being played in Columbus this year. Anybody that thinks it isn't doesn't really watch the talent. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And well, and it also boils down to it also boils down to we we've said this for years. And the shine is starting to come off of that. Well, it's not really coming off of the apple. It's just shifted, right? So it used to be, hey, all roads to the championship leads through the SEC, particularly in Alabama. And now it's starting to turn to Georgia. I mean, after Kirby, you know, basically broke the seal on on beating, you know, Saban, now people are starting to figure it out. And I don't know if they went back and watched the Georgia film or went back and anything else. Because normally, you know, if Alabama lost, it was a fluke. Like Johnny football was a fluke against Alabama. Like if you could say Texas A&M beating them when they were first came into the SEC, that was a freak show of an incident, but they won. But coming into like this season, like for Bama to drop two to, to conference, you know, to conference play, that's unheard of. I can't remember the last time Bama lost two games in a season, let alone two in the SEC. Yeah. And, and I don't really follow the West and the schedule as far as, I mean, I follow the games, but as far as the, the future schedules, when do Alabama and Georgia meet or do they? Uh, I'm not exactly sure. We'll have to look that one up. They could possibly lose three in conference for the first time since maybe in decades. Yeah. It's got, it's got decades. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's it almost unreal. Yeah. It's unreal to see what's happening in Alabama right now. It just really is. It's hard to, it's hard to decide what, what the true skinny is, but we could talk about this all day, but we're going to move on to Service Academy football. So Service Academy football, uh, hey, we'll cover the Army Air Force game in a lot more detail on the Ask for Football Army football show. Uh, even though we don't want to, we will talk about that game. Uh, Army lost to Air Force 13-7. to I think uh, everybody predicted that that was going to be a low-scoring kind of 2016-2018 
uh, game and it could have went either way. And I think it actually did, you know, it was just some breaks that went to air forces way rather than armies. And, and that is the end of the result. But as a result of that, we will no longer be talking about the, uh, Commander in Chief's Trophy, because we don't need to. Commander in Chief's Trophy is now resting in the hot little hand of the Air Force Academy, and it will stay there next year until the series is played again. Yeah, polish it yeah. up for us, Air Force. Yeah. yeah, that was the first time since 2016 that the Air Force has actually won the trophy outright, and there was a split last year because Army beat Air Force, and then Air or Air Force beat Navy, Army beat Air Force, and then Navy beat Army. So it's it's a three-team series and whoever is two and oh usually gets to hold on to the strap all right moving on them having better chows than us that's all i'm gonna say yeah well i mean it's air force man you know and for those of you guys that are in the air force uh i'm all about the joint force 363 days of the year and then uh the other two i'm dogging on navy and air force but i will tell you you know uh air force put together a good good team uh great the game was not great if you watched it, I watched it, uh, watched the highlights and then went back and watched the game today. And it was, it was a slugfest. I mean, there was two teams that were trying to move the ball that couldn't, or when they did, they were coughing it up. So it was not a very exciting game. Moving on to the FCS Academy. So if you guys are a big fan of Service Academy football, please check out the Secretary's Cup. So just so you guys know, here's what it actually is. The Secretary's Cup is an intense rivalry game for both schools. Uh, Although it's not matching the the tradition or the intensity or even the, the eyeballs as the Army Navy game, the Secretary's Cup is basically the small college version of Army Navy. They've been running it for 41 years, if you can believe that. They've been playing for 41 years. So 1981 was the first game that they played, and this was back when uh, both teams kind of fell underneath the Department of Transportation. So you had the Merchant Marine Academy that does a lot of support in uh, the the transportation field, and when the Coast Guard moved to DHS as part of Department of Homeland Security in 2003, they combined it and became the Secretary's Cup rather than the Secretary Cup. But uh, they added the S, and uh, it covers the Secretaries of Department of Transportation and the Departments of Homeland Security. But that game is going to be on ESPN. Uh, tickets are free if you're in the area, so I encourage you to go check it out. I mean, there's nothing like getting some support. Pick a, pick a team, pick a side, and go root for uh, either the Coast Guard or the Merchant Marines if that's your thing. And I'll go watch a good high school playoff game. And if it's a good rivalry, it doesn't matter if it's Ohio State and Michigan. If it's a good rivalry and you're sitting there watching it, you'll be sold on football after that day. Because yeah, these yeah. players are still growing at that point. It's not about the pros where they're doing it for how much money can we make before we get hurt. These guys are still out there to impress, and they put their heart into it. And that is why I always will say I love college football above anything else. Yeah, I think I think there's something about the passion, and we talk about it all the time. There's a difference in the level of passion because, again, even as a pro, like if you do something for long enough, you'll eventually start to phone it in, and that uh, and that's a true statement, you know. And, and you look at some of the players that have been around the league for years and years and years, and you're like, hey, why don't they just why don't they just retire? And most of the time, it's because you know pride sometimes it's just because like hey look i don't know what else i would do you know i really have no idea but speaking of passion uh let's uh dive into joe's blue falcon of the week this is a person that is probably not as passionate as they should be or maybe too passionate for uh the results of what happened in their game but without further ado i'll pass it over to you all right we've already mentioned it we've already talked about them I remember a press conference, I can't give you the year, but it was when a reporter stepped on the wrong toe of Dabo Sweeney and mentioned Clemsoning as a verb. Okay, Clemsoning as a verb is choking when you have the talent to win. Dabo got as triggered as I've seen a head coach. It was like Oklahoma State's coach going, come after me, I'm 40, I'm a man. Everybody remember that one? Because I do. Uh Dabble got pissed, man. He was like, I don't know what you're talking about. We play quality football here. Clemson is not even in our language. Well, dude, you just Clemson. And you Clemson hard, and you did it on prime time. Went into Notre Dame, and I said it on last week's show. I'm just like, look, if they're going to do it, it's going to be this week. Notre Dame is is slowly waking up after the Marshall game. Maybe after a couple losses after that. I can't remember, but 
That team lost to Marshall at home. You're littered with five stars across the board, Dabo. You didn't prep your boys. Pump block for a touchdown. They weren't ready to play. You failed your team. Next week, I don't want to see you in that hideous purple and orange. You get a Blue Falcon t-shirt. And for your whole coaching staff, we can go through like the Oprah show. And you get a Blue Falcon t-shirt. And you get a Blue Falcon. Because your boys were not ready on either side of the ball. And you failed them. So there's my Blue Falcon of the week. There you go. Yeah, I, I, I have to admit, like, when I went back and watched the replay, at first I was like, oh, it's just going to be a close game. You know, Notre, Notre Dame is, you know, Notre Dame is good, but they are definitely rebuilding new coach, kind of new thought process, everything else. You know, this is really like the first, the second full season outside of playing in the ACC during COVID. So they're kind of making some adjustments. You know, you're back into your independent schedule. You got a new coach. Things are different. Not surprising that they're not doing well, but for them to go in and just wallop, you know, Clemson on Mm -hmm. national television, like, hey, folks, again, it goes back to the eye test. And I hate to say it, but like if you knew nothing about football and you watched that game, you have no idea that Dabo Sweeney was a, a, a national championship coach at all. You'd have no idea that was the number four team in the country either. Yeah, I mean, look, it. Yeah, that was that was a rough one. So let's talk games of the week. Hey, guess what? It's Tuesday. It's uh, it's election day. So if you haven't gone out and expressed and used your constitutional right, you should be doing so. We're going to try and get this out as soon as possible. So uh, hopefully you don't miss any of these games. But you've got Ball State and Toledo, Eastern Michigan and Akron and Ohio at Miami of Ohio. So you've basically got uh, all <laughs> the great. Yeah, you got the Great Lakes plan. All night tonight on Tuesday, uh, starting kickstart at seven and they'll be divided between ESPN two, ESPN U or CBS sports network. And you're going to have to check your local listings to figure out which one those games are going to be on. I got to be pulling for, uh, Eastern Michigan tonight. I, I do believe they get it done at Akron, but, um, believe it or not, they actually recruited me in high school for track and field and football. But once they saw my grades, they realized I was just another jock who wanted to stay eligible for football. That's why I was a Joe and not uh and 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 not an O. But uh, I'm rooting for Eastern tonight. And if you want to run a cute little three-team parlay tonight for nothing, go Toledo, Eastern, and Ohio money line. Um, it might not pay out. It'll definitely pay out. Uh, you know, plus 100, plus 150. So uh, I think all three of those teams win and win convincingly. Akron's garbage. Toledo's pretty solid, and uh, Ohio over Miami. That might be the close one. Yeah. Yeah. And those games are kicking tonight between seven and seven thirty again. Wednesday. Again, we've got football early and I like it. So you've got uh, Buffalo at Central Michigan, Kent State, Bowling Green, NIU and Western Michigan. Again, this, like this is like the, the, the <laughs> like this is like the, the Midwest attack here. But mm-hmm. if you're a football fan, it's some great games to watch. You know, Buffalo is Buffalo is one of those teams, man, like they play some great games and then they don't. And it's rare when they have a really good team strung together and then you, you don't hear about them. So like Buffalo is one of those teams that regardless of how well or how poorly they're playing, they just don't get a lot of visibility because they're in upstate New York. It's cold. People don't like to go to the games and watch them. I have no idea, but uh, halfway I got decent- no idea how Khalil Mack played his college football there, but that was a hell of a recruiting job. Yeah. I still remember when he took the ball, I think it was out of Braxton Miller's hand and went 70 yards with it against Ohio state. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah, Khalil uh, Mack was a freak show. He's the best player to ever come out of Buffalo. Yeah, I think he is, legitimately, w- without a doubt. So you got Kent State and Bowling Green, uh, NIU and Western Michigan. I think those are all good games. Like, again, serious Mack action. If you want to watch uh, some decent teams uh, that are in a conference that's not in the, the Power Five, uh, I would check out these games on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Thursday, you've got Tulsa at Memphis. Again, that's going to be a, you know, whoever shows up, whoever decides to play all three phases of the game, and that one is going to win because Tulsa and Memphis, that's probably a push. I didn't even look at the line, but I would probably say that's a pick em at any at any guess. Then you've got Georgia Southern at Louisiana. They're at 730 on ESPNU. So Friday, 11 November is Veterans Day. So, hey, please do us all a favor and shake hands with the veterans. And keep in mind, Thank you for your service is perfectly appropriate on Veterans Day and not Memorial Day. I always kind of put out that uh, paid service announcement because, you know, there's a marked difference between uh, somebody that we honor on Memorial Day versus somebody that we honor on Veterans Day. And yep. uh, got to be mindful of that. 
most of our most of our listening audience that serves understands that. If you haven't served, uh, it's just a little note for you to take with you. But let's get to the games. So you got all kinds of games kicking off late and early. You've got uh, East Carolina and Cincinnati. That's actually probably a decent contest. ECU is is solid. They've won some good games. They won some close games this year. And uh, Cincy, hey, it's Cincy, man. They're trying to they're trying to get some respect back, but they've fallen out of the top twenty five. And uh, I think college football is basically done with them for this year, just based off of uh, you know everything that happened. They had their shot at the. Uh, it's unfortunate they had their shot at the the um, the playoff last year and they just didn't pan out and I think people are pretty much done with them until they do something tremendous. You got Colorado at USC that would be the marquee matchup of Friday night and that's going to be a blowout. Uh, expect to see the expect to see the backups early from USC if they're smart they're going to try and preserve as much uh, combat power as they can for later yeah, on. Vegas has got them as 34 point favorites so uh, making sure no one touches that game because. The second stringers are going to play the second half. How am I going to lay 34 points on that? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's no, thank you. That's an odd bet. You got Fresno State and UNLV. And, again, that one's the late kick at 1030 on CBS Sports Network. So if you're up late, check that one out. I think that one will be a good one. Uh, Saturday, noon kicks. This this game is probably going to be an interesting one to watch as a bounce-back game because you got Tennessee at Missouri. So Missouri is playing streaky again. You had Tennessee that just came off of a, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a bad loss, but they lost pretty handily. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a blowout, but they got beat up pretty bad against Georgia. Yeah, they're so, late 21 against Missouri. So um, I said it once before this season on our show, but this time I, I, I'll, I'll put money on it that uh, Missouri is staggering into a wounded dog's backyard, and I, I expect Tennessee to win big time, kind of a reminiscent of the uh, Kentucky game. I, I think that that's fair. You got Vandy at Kentucky. Vanderbilt actually has some wins this season, which is impressive. Kentucky, yeah, that was a weird game, especially that that uh, rough in the kicker incident that happened. I mean, that was kind of crazy. That was like one of the biggest headlines from last weekend was how that all went down. So that'll be a decent game. That kicks at noon on the SEC Network. You got Pitt and Virginia. Again, sometimes that's a right, ranked matchup. It's not this year, but that should be a halfway decent one. You got Vatek and Duke at 12. Uh, then we're going to skip past some of them because those are not the most interesting games. You've got LSU and Arkansas. That one's actually shaping up to be a decent game based off of the play that LSU has had the past couple of weeks. So I think LSU has the most to lose from this game and Arkansas has the most to gain. So that one will be a good one. That kicks at noon on CBS or ESPN, depending on where you are regionally. you got Notre Dame at Navy. Why do we even care about this one? I think Navy's about to run to a buzzsaw. Based off of the last couple of weeks that Notre Dame has played, it is not looking good for the midshipmen. Their quarterback is hurt. They're struggling. They just got beat up by, you know, they just got beat up by Cincinnati. And now they're going into a angry Notre Dame on a neutral field in Baltimore. That's basically a home game for uh, the mids, but it's not going to matter. Yeah. Then moving on, uh, you've got number 19, Liberty, at UConn. I know Dan will be watching that one. I think that may actually be a halfway decent contest. UConn is a better team than uh, than advertised. They aren't ranked, but I think they're playing a lot better. Uh, this will be for bowl eligibility for them. So if they beat Liberty, if they can upset them, then they'll move into uh, playoff – or not playoff, but they'll be eligible for a bowl game. So they'll have six wins. And then uh, Liberty's quietly been winning, and they've been in the top 25 for the last four or five weeks. Yeah, Oklahoma and West Virginia. I mean, that's the battle of the also rans in the uh, Big 12. Those guys had a chance and didn't perform. ULM and Georgia State. Again, we've been saying this all year. Watch those guys because I think there'll be a. That's a good game to watch. It's on ESPN Plus. It kicks at one o'clock. But ULM is a talented team. They just aren't winning. And Georgia State is kind of in the same boat. You know, if they play to the level of their competition, Georgia State can. Yeah. Yeah, if they play if they play to the level of their competition, this is going to be a good contest. Uh, you've got James Madison and Old Dominion again, the two FCS teams that bumped up to FBS. I will watch those guys. Uh, I think that'll be a good one. Moving on, you got Louisville and Clemson. That's a dangerous game for Clemson again. Like they can lose another one because based off the way that well, Louisville this year, man. Yeah, the way that Louisville played Wake. Whew. All right, hey, we'll see if Clemson continues to Clemson because that is not looking fun for those guys. 
Like, here's another one that used to be an old uh, primetime ACC matchup back in the day, Miami and Georgia Tech. You would think that would have been a great game, but unfortunately, both of those teams are not playing well. Dump all that money on Mario Cristobal, and he hasn't delivered anything for that team. $10 million coaching contract, and what do you got to show for it? A whole bunch of L's. Uh, Army at Troy. That's 3.30 on the NFL Network. That is the weirdest place I've ever seen. I think I've only seen one other game for Army on the NFL Network, and that was UTSA like a handful of years ago. And I think it's just that's just a weird place for a football game. But, hey, we're going to hunt that thing down and watch it. You've got sure. Bama and Old Miss playing. Uh, hey, you know what? I'm going to tip the hat on this one to Old Miss. I think they have uh, they're in the driver's seat because they have momentum. And that was a bad loss for Bama and Ole Miss is playing at home. Uh, sounds like a trap game for them, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. One of my picks of the week. Uh, moving down, you got uh, UCF at Tulane. That's going to be the battle for the, you know, the American Conference. Who's going to be the best team in that, uh, that division? I think whoever wins that probably will win the AAC. Uh, Tulane, again, you know, as, as Nan always says, they, they look for that late season swoon. We'll see what happens. You got BC and NC State playing at 3:30 on the ACC network. That should be a good game. Uh, NC State is quietly coming right along this season. You got Georgia, Mississippi State. That's kind of like who cares? Why don't they kick that one early and leave the primetime games open for something else? Because I think Georgia is going to roll those cats. Uh, Kansas State at Baylor. That's going to be a shootout. I would say take the over on that one. It's probably like 65 points right now. That would be my guess. You got TCU and Texas. That's another shootout in the pack in the Big 12. So uh, if you like defense, uh, don't watch those games because you'll be highly disappointed. Florida State finally broke into the top 25. They got Syracuse. That's going to be a good game. Michigan's going to smoke Nebraska. Uh, Ohio State has got Indiana, and I think Purdue is going to put their spoiler maker jersey on and come after Illinois, uh, especially after that rough week that they had last week. But I will pause for a second, let you gather your thoughts, and we will pick some games. Weekly Locks. I currently have uh, Dano's pick, so he dropped them in there for me. So on the outline, <laughs> Dan went three and zero last week. He, uh, yeah. yeah, so he picked Army Air Force to go under, which we knew was going to happen. Tulane easily took care of business with Tulsa. Georgia State and Southern Miss went over 50, mostly by Georgia State by themselves. And, uh, you know, he wrote a note in here. And he's like, I don't know who knows this, but uh, the Panthers are now four and five with ULM on the schedule. So they need to either beat JMU or Marshall to make that bowl bid. They're probably going to get it this week. Uh, his picks this week are UCF and Tulane over 53. He thinks this is going to be one of the more compelling games this week. He stole one of mine. <laughs> of course, you guys are reading the same mail. Uh, App State minus one at Marshall. Who puts a minus one line? Yeah, like so he's taking that one, and then Army at Troy under 46. And he's like, he's not playing it, but he's looking, uh, he's looking at uh, UConn and Liberty. Uh, Liberty, UConn looks sloppy against uh, UMass. They recovered in the second half, and uh, we'll see what happens. I went one and two last week. Uh, I hit on K-State and Texas. Uh, thank you, Big 12, for horrible defense. I appreciate that every week, week in and week out. Uh, I took the early line on TCU and te- Texas Tech and missed it. It actually shifted when I put in uh, put it in last week, but uh, it still wasn't enough. They didn't score enough points. And Illinois did not live up to expectations. I thought Illinois was going to handily beat Michigan State and Sparty won by eight. And I think they must have heard us talking all the, the smack about them for having uh, no discipline, and they actually played a discipline game and won. My picks this week is uh, TCU and Texas over 64. As much as <laughs> as much as I like, hey, I'm, this is my last chance, man. I'm hanging one last one on the over for TCU. If they don't get it, I'm, I'm moving on to something else. Uh, I would take the under on University of Washington and Oregon. It's 70 and a half right now. I mean, yeah. both of the both of these teams are scoring a bunch of points, but I think Vegas is dangling that one out there in the hopes that somebody, you know, bets small money on that long shot because I, that's got to be a plus 500 to hit the over at least. Yeah. And then, and then the last one, I'm going to make it interesting. And again, I kind of noted to it earlier. I think uh, Purdue's going to cover six and a half against Illinois. The, the fighting, uh, the fighting Illini, 
uh, did not look great against Sparty. Their offense didn't look that good. I don't think they're going to outrun Purdue on the scoreboard. So I am going to take the spoiler makers to cover six and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if they win outright, but it is the Big Ten, so who knows? Joe, how about you? Yeah, I went two and two last week. Um, missed on K State being home dogs. They did they did lose, but covered on UCF minus three and a half, and covered on the under with Illinois and Michigan State because it was forty. I believe it was forty three, and the final points was thirty eight. So um, that makes me sixteen and six. I actually counted my picks out, so I'm 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 at a plus ten uh, right now. So still still having a hell of a season to uh, for my first time out. But dude, this is gonna sound crazy. I'm taking Indiana plus forty points against Ohio State. I don't know if they're watching, but in Ohio State didn't score scored half that themselves last week. Okay, against Northwestern. So, you know, they're they're playing a little dinged up. It's towards the end of the season. They're trying to get to Michigan. They're not looking to mash the gas on Indiana. They're looking to get through this game, win by a few scores. I say, like, you know, I could see this one being like a 52-17, but they're not going to. They've won two games this season by over 40 points. Two. And it was against Toledo. And uh, they didn't even beat Arkansas State at home. They beat them by 33. So I'm taking Indiana plus 40. Sounds so crazy to say, plus 40. Um, I'm going to take a rolling um, LSU team, minus three going into Arkansas. I think they win that game by a touchdown. <clears throat> then Dano uh, took my over in the UCF Tulane game, but I'm going to still take it and put it on the put it on the record. Um and then uh, I like TCU plus seven going into Texas. I think they make that a really good game. Uh, you know, it, and I don't know if Texas uh, can hang with that track meet style offense or not. We'll see. But I think Tulane keeps it close. And uh, I'm taking it. So I got Tulane plus seven. UCF, uh, Tulane. TCU plus seven. Tulane, UCF over. Indiana plus 40. And, oh, my goodness, I, I can't believe I've missed my boys. Michigan and Nebraska over 50. I think Michigan it. offense stays humming, and uh, they win like, they they win like you know, 42-10, something like that. I, I think they go over 50. Nebraska went over 50. Uh, I'm sorry, Nebraska scores about 28 points a game. Yeah. If they go 10 under, 15 under that, and Michigan hits their average, which I believe they will. They scored 52 points on the road last week. Um, I like I like that game going over 50 points. It's actually at 49 right now, over 49. Yeah, bold choice. I, 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 Michigan was 42 I, to seven. It's a push. Yeah, so. I will say your your Indiana pick plus 40 at OSU is a good one. I, I mean, I think that's fair because like a lot of the the running backs, the weapons that they have in the backfield are injured for Ohio State. Like you don't know if Mayan Williams or Travion Martin are, are going to be, or Travion Henderson are going to be available from week to week. Yeah, you know. and, and another thing you got to people should uh, take a real long hard look at is Ole Miss right now is plus twelve at home to Alabama. They're getting twelve points at home to Alabama, so I'm I'm staying away just because I'm not going to say Alabama's done, and who knows what happens? Maybe they come roaring back, but uh, yeah, that's that's definitely one to look at. Yeah, for sure, and and I will tell you. Saban, man, like you just you can never count him out. I mean, normally when when Bama loses, they it's because they either got outcoached or outplayed. I think they got outplayed in the Tennessee game yeah. and they got outcoached in the LSU game because, I, I mean, they got hustled, you know, like either way, an L's an L. But uh, I think Nick Saban is I don't know if he's losing his touch with the SEC or people are just starting to catch up. I yeah. mean, only time will tell on that one. But uh, we did have a topic this week that we were going to talk about, which was pretty was pretty interesting. We we're going to talk about the, uh, you know, the unsung heroes of football. And again, hats off to all the folks that, uh, you know, support the team, all the the managers, the trainers, the equipment guys, and all those other folks. And then those players that uh, show up at practice every day. 
but don't really get the visibility as some of the starters do. So, you know, we were going to cover those guys, but then, uh, as always, we respond here to, you know, the people that support us. And we had a note in the first club this week, uh, that took umbrage with our discussion about the wing helmet last week. <laughs> and so we're kind of responding to that. So thank you, Brendan, for the note. But really the first point that he wanted to point out is in, in typical New Jersey fashion that, uh, Hey, College football started in New Jersey in 1869. So the first game was between Rutgers and the College of New Jersey, a.k.a. Princeton is how we know it now. And like all things from the Garden State, it escaped and uh, spread out across the country and became what we know now as major college football. Uh, The winged helmet, believe it or not, Joe, was from the original design was from Fritz Chrysler, the former Princeton coach who moved from Princeton to the University of Michigan in 1938. Do you know why? Probably because they didn't want to pay him. They wanted to uh, see the receivers better because he ran a passing offense. Yeah. Well, and, and, and national title after national title after national title with Fritz Chrysler. He's uh, got pretty much like a Bo Beckler type god in Ann Arbor. One of the greatest coaches no one ever talks about. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I, I was diving in into some research. And one of the things that, uh, people didn't realize is did you know and it's credited to teddy roosevelt as the guy who invented the forward pass in major college or major football period because in the beginning of the sport like a lot of guys were getting injured lots of collisions you know because it was basically a rugby scrum with a lot more aggressive play and then at one point somebody decided like hey can we throw the ball because it will make the game more interesting and allegedly it's tied to president teddy roosevelt said hey why don't you throw the ball so that became a uh, a staple. And like you said, Fritz Chrysler added the added the winged helmet because in the early days of college football, before you had massive amounts of backing and large tailed textile and manufacturing companies cranking out helmets and different colored uniforms, the uh, the uniforms were almost, you know, universally the same color. And so by adding the winged helmet, it allowed the quarterback to have a visual cue to know where his player is on the field at the same time. So he designed the wing helmet for Princeton, you know, with their with their black and orange way back in the day. And then when he came over to uh, the University of Michigan, he added that to the Michigan Wolverine helmet, because I guess at the beginning, the Wolverines had just straight black helmets. Uh, been interesting to see those. I wonder if they looked kind of like the Steelers or if some other uh, team. But he added that to allow the quarterbacks to see better uh, in a sheer tr- when they were. When they were one solid color, I don't even think they were uh, the hard plastic helmets yet. Yeah, and, and I think that's just that's just kind of interesting fact of it. And ironically, you know, the Michigan football team is running a hell of a lot better than they're passing this year. So if you see that winged helmet whizzing past you, it's not because it's a fly pattern. It's Blake Warm on the edge, running for like sixty or seventy yards. I think honestly, he's quietly one of the best running backs in uh, college football right now. Yep. But he's, uh, he's got to be he's got to be up there and leading the nation in rushing. Yeah, he's I think for a thousand right now. Yeah, he's got to be one of the top rushers, if not the top rusher. He's easily in the top five for sure. I tell you what, as far as heart goes, I've, I've never seen a kid five foot eight be intimidating in the Big Ten. And that dude, it's like watching Devin Bush at linebacker. You're like, oh, he's not big enough. And then he hits somebody and it's like, whoa, <laughs> top 10 draft pick. And he was. Uh, he's got that kind of heart, man. He, he's freakishly strong. It's like that, uh, the receiver for the Lions, Amon Ross St. Brown. His dad was, uh, Mr. Mr. Universe or Mr. Olympia. Like these kids come from the, they start working on their body and start bodybuilding at a young age. And that kid is a brick, man. Um, I do believe he'll play in the league. Yeah. I think there's another thing that we kind of look into and, and we kind of tacitly talk about it, but we really don't talk about it is, like the number of high quality, you know, kids that come from families. It's like there's there's a gene pool out there, and if you don't believe that genetics have anything to play with athleticism, I think uh, look you're gravely, yeah, you're gravely mistaken. Because a big swimmer, I believe. Yeah, I mean, look at look at uh, Ed McCafferty and Christian <laughs> McCafferty. Look at uh, you know Joey Bosa and. The they got a brother who's leading his team in receiving in college football right now, and I can't remember which team he plays for. Yeah. But I mean, younger McCaffrey. 
Yeah. Look, look at Deion Sanders, you know, Arch Manning. Like you look at all these people that like have this long history. Their families have a long history of being in a, in a specific sport. And then like, you know, it, it's one thing, it's one thing for like, Deion Sanders' son to be good at football. Well, he's going to be good at football because he's going to be well coached because he had his father that was a pro that could coach him. But those physical tools that come with them, you know, those aren't naturally, you know, those aren't coachable. Those are just naturally given because they're blessed with athleticism from their gene pool. Mm-hmm. But uh, back to the wing helmet thing, the funniest part of uh, Dan left a note in here and he's like, I know that this doesn't play well outside the Northeast, but most the uh, local rivalry between New Jersey and the rest of the, the region is never funny. is never not funny to him. Uh, mm-hmm. The truth of the matter is there's a lot more in Jersey than just uh, the urban Northwest or Newark. If you live uh, near New York city, uh, it's usually all you think or see about North New Jersey. Uh, Dan lived in Hoboken and he said it was great, but he wouldn't leave coastal Connecticut to go back for any reason on earth. And then, huh. you know, the helmet thing is kind of emblematic of the whole deal. Who knew that football essentially wasn't, or college football at least, was essentially invented in New Jersey. And again, it goes back to, you know, all things being relative in college football, it all starts somewhere. And, and uh, you know, I had no idea that uh, Princeton came up with a wing helmet. Oh my God, I wasn't even tracking that. That was just like a blip on my radar. So I had to do some research and, and, and found out something new that I learned about college football. And that's the thing about sports. You know, there's always some other nook, cranny, statistic, fun fact, oddball thing that you can find, you know, just by looking. And so I think, uh, again, this is part of the reason why I enjoy the sport is because there's so many layers to it that you're never going to cover them all. And you can try, but by the time you figure one thing out, there'll be 14 new things that come out uh, in, in the sphere. But again, we were supposed to be talking to uh, we we're supposed to be talking about uh, unsung heroes. And again, some of the unsung heroes for us personally as part of the team is uh, the, the Patreons in the Firsty Club and those that are, are checking out the videos and listening to the podcast. We appreciate all the support that you guys give us. So when somebody comes up on the net, whether that be via social media or phone call or text message to one of the guys on the on the team, we bring it up because we want to talk about what you guys are interested in. So we say thanks again to Brendan. Please do not send the ghost of Tony Soprano after us because of this whole winged helmet thing. But uh, <laughs> as I said earlier, I ain't afraid of no ghost, but uh, I'm not going to tempt fate either. But uh, Joe, do you have anything else? Final thought for the you week? Know, when you did bring up the unsung hero thing, I, I, I had to I had to look at my boys. And uh, Michigan has a guy that does this almost every other year. But Mike Sanger still is like five foot nine. And he's out there playing defensive back. He was recruited as a slot receiver or a running back. And he's leading, he's almost leading the team in tackles. And the dude's in on every play. And he hits hard. And he's just like walking proof of a guy that could have played slot and been like the fifth receiver, but wanted to be on the field. And uh, he's definitely been one of Michigan's unsung heroes. And it, it's going to be scary to see when they got to go up against that receiving core at Ohio State. But, man, if he does well there – then, uh, my God, give him his own brick on the stadium because those are that's a unbelievable receiving core they're gonna have to go up against. But man, has he done well this season? And it's his first year playing defense. Yeah, and I think we we see that too. And I know speaking of Ohio State, they have a tight end. I forget his name, but he did the same thing. Guy got recruited to be like a defensive lineman, offensive lineman, linebacker, and he moved back to tight end. And he's playing tight end. And so that happens a lot in college football, and one of the things that's super interesting is having a kid that is willing to to do that, you know, for what's best for the team. You know, you think about you think about the guys that are most notable and like they're all in the pros now. But like, think about Baker Mayfield. Dude was walk on, you know, and became one of the most prolific passers in college football. And you're like, where did this kid come from? Like, oh, yeah, he left Texas Tech and walked on at Oklahoma and wins the Heisman Trophy by the time he's a senior. Wait a second. That really happened. You know, and that's just a story like that. That almost sounds like a movie, to be honest. I mean, you can't you you, you can't strangle greatness. It's yeah. gonna come out, you know. Yeah. And and total totally different sport, but it reminds me of the middleweight champion in the UFC, Israel Adesanya. He went to Japan to be a kickboxer, and so because he was African American over there, they they gave him they treated him like me. They basically gave him to all the best kickboxers, 
And they said, you know, somebody to beat up on, basically. By the time he left, they nicknamed him the Black Dragon, and he was 75 and 4 in 79 fights, and he wasn't meat anymore. But greatness is going to happen, no matter how, how, how much of a choke point you put on it. Um, you know, that, that's where iron sharpens iron, you know. And so guys like Baker Mayfield and like Mike Samer still that I talked about, they said, you know, you put ego aside and see where they find their lane where they can be great and they don't let anything stop them. And uh, that's, that's why I love college football. Yeah, I think that's one of the most undeliable facts about college football or any or any really truly competitive sport is the guys that are going to excel, they find a way to excel. You know, and the other part of it is, is when you look at the things that they do outside of the sport, they excel at those things as well. You know, whether whether you like whether you like or dislike Lance Armstrong, did you know, realize that that guy's like still a world class triathlete right now? You know, and he's in his mid fifties. Why? Because he was a performance athlete for so many years. Can't compete in the Tour de France anymore because yeah, people eventually catch up. But as an older guy, he's crushing it in triathlons. You know, you look at dudes like I guarantee you. Look at any NFL broadcaster. That used to be a player. Like you think about those guys, these guys excelled at watching film and playing games and doing all the study and everything that was required for them to be successful on the field. And then they move out of the professional arena and then they can call great games. You know, I'm, and and it's just because, like you said, you you, you can't strangle talent. So talent eventually, you know, in, in the old words of, of Randy Macho Man Savage, the cream will rise to the top, you know, and it naturally does in that environment. But uh, yeah. Hey, again, another great week of college football coming up. Lots of exciting games. Hopefully things will start to settle. We are coming towards the tail end of the season. We've got about three good solid weeks left. We've got rivalry week coming up in a couple weeks. Then you're going to have a couple breaks. You're going to see some final contests going into uh, the bowl announcements. And then we will see who ends up in the top four. Question is, does TCU still have the guts and the defense to kind of hang on and run the table in the Big 12? And we'll see. And uh, looking forward to this weekend's contest. And as always, we are here with uh, two O's and an NCO here on Trash Talk Ring Knocker Radio. And we appreciate everybody stopping by and checking us out. And uh, we'll check you guys out next week. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Ask for Football College Football Roundtable. Tune in next week as the AFF team brings you more hot takes and college football analysis. We'd like to thank our sponsor, BuyerBarn.com. BuyerBarn.com is the world's first platform to perform online auctions and sales for farm animals. BuyerBarn.com is dedicated to helping small farmers in America and are extending a special discount to military veterans who want to help in the revolution of the family farm. Go to BuyerBarn.com forward slash military. That's BuyerBarn.com. B-Y-R-E-B-A-R-N.com to learn more and to get started or email them at info at buyerbarn.com. Thanks again for listening to Ask for Football College Football Roundtable. And as always, beat Navy.